In this video, let's talk about the Catholic Church, syphilis, and paralysis, and what those have in common. <laughs> that is like a game show theme. I need three random things from your purse. Go! <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to the Codex Cantina, where I am And Una. I am your soul sister. Crypto. And today, <laughs> we are finally covering The Sisters, the first short story in the collection Dubliners, by James Joyce, and I think this one's underrepresented. Not enough people talk about it, but I do love this story. This was originally published in the Irish Homestead in 1904 under the pen name Stephen Dedalus. It was Joyce's first published work of fiction, and it caused a huge uproar and cancellations, as all of our short story selections seem to be able to do. All right, so this first piece is then taken, and it's revised, and then put in as the very first story for the Dubliners. Now, a quick quote from James Joyce himself on Dubliners as a whole. I have tried to present it to the indifferent public under four of its aspects, childhood, adolescence, maturity, and public life. The stories are arranged in this order. You can read along for free. We are going to put a link in the description below. It is in the public domain for you to check out. So let's kick this off and start talking about, uh, let's kind of talk about the bookends first, Crypto. Yeah, so here we have the sisters is the very, very first story in the book and the one our story next week is the dead which is the last story in the book and what is so unique about this is that they're almost interchangeable uh as we said at the top of the video that the sisters is from the perspective of adolescence a young boy and the dead is going to be people that are late middle age and so you see this progression through the whole book the cool thing about the first two and why they're so unique is that their titles are interchangeable. So The Dead, which is the last story, is about a pair of sisters that are very elderly. And then this story is The Sisters, which is about a young boy, but it's also about death as well. So you could call this first one The Dead because it's about a young boy experiencing death of someone very close to him. But there's a pair of sisters in it. And then the very last story, The Dead, is about a pair of sisters and it could be called the sisters so very very you know uh cool the way that he's in, able to web these two kind of together so let's kick off the sisters we've got a young boy in terms of narration very early in his life very innocent and right now i'm actually teaching my son to count syllables if you didn't know that crypto did you notice the opening line it's one of those things like where it's like da 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 right it's all monosyllabic monos that's so, what i'm looking for monosyllabic yeah i did catch that yeah. So it's, there was no hope for him this time. It was the third stroke. So if this is the beginning of the creation story of, of Dubliners, this collection, you know, you've had, uh, you know, Let There Be Light from the Bible, Be Sut Pins 100 from Absalom, Absalom. Here's a very interesting way James Joyce is opening this collection of just having a very simple easy talking rhythm to open up the creation of his Dubliners uh, collection. Yeah, it's genius. It really is. And it's this innocence that restricts not only, we talked about the first person narrative restricting you as a viewer as you're going through this this little boy's eyes, but the little boy has his own restrictions that he puts on. This whole piece should feel very claustrophobic to you as you go through it. There's words that he doesn't understand or, or, or very small, simple words that he chooses. Yeah. When uh, Father Flynn dies, the narrator pretends not to care. Like, he literally says he's pretending not to pay attention, like restricting himself further emotionally and in terms of his input. 
Um, so the character's putting limitations on himself. So yeah, and even also Father Flynn is restricted as well. I don't know if you've ever been to a confession box room, uh, but they're very, very small. You can feel that, you know, the claustrophobic feeling of being in there. So we have another quote on there. It says, a silence took possession of the little room as he died in there. And I thought that was kind of very uh, poetic here. So you'll also notice in terms of Nanny, she doesn't have any lines. They said it would have been unseemly to have shouted at her. And she just points upstairs for them to go or offers them the the sherry and the, the crackers when it's time to eat. But she never actually has any speaking lines. So you'll see she even she has confines put on her too with not speaking. And lastly, Eliza is going to be edited for the Dubliners, right? Yeah, her, her, her character was changed a little bit for the Dubliners release. So originally she, I think, uh, was slow. Well, there was slowness of speech and hesitancy. Right, so you yeah. don't you don't you don't know if it's a physical impairment, but we'll we'll get to some of that in my talking points. That that's another confinement put on a character as well, limiting her. And she even calls it the Freeman's General instead of the Freeman's Journal. And throughout this whole piece of Dubliners, you know, Joyce is going to put real people's names that he knows, real streets, real businesses. Here's a real journal. Why would he have her misspeak and call it journal? or general instead of journal, right? So we see her even having some speech impediment issues, and maybe even just in terms of word choices. Again, another another restriction put on a character. I think all these characters are done uh, with great intention, and that's something that you can miss very quickly. Reading Joyce just requires so much knowledge of just Joyce's life or, or even Irish myths and stuff. It's hard, so it's good to talk out through things. There's going to be things we miss too. Of course. Um, yeah. Now let's talk with what I think is the most important quote of the whole book. Whole book, right here. Ooh. Every night as I gazed up at the window, I said softly to myself the word paralysis. It had always sounded strangely in my ears, like the word gnomon in the Euclid and the word simony in the Catechism. And I think that quote right there, in terms of bringing up uh, the word First of all, the boy's restricted. He doesn't know specifically the word paralysis right away. It, it's kind of hitting him weird. Yeah. Um, he, he's once again confined or, or restricted. But also now we're going to start bringing in some of the big themes of this book, too, in terms of religion with bringing in the simony from the, uh, the Eucharist and, and, and such. I would also add on to there as well that uh, the isolation is very, very important as well. You could make an argument that that is equally as important as paralysis. I think they kind of go neck and neck. Uh, as we're going to kind of go through here, both of those seem to be very, very important. Well, what is paralysis? I think some people would just describe it as like the freezing of movement. They could say it represents death. But to your point, there's a very um, dark tone to how paralysis is used in this collection. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think you got to keep that in mind that this collection is called Dubliners. It's not called Dublin. So the city itself isn't paralyzed. The people are what's paralyzed is what he kind of continually gnaws at as one of his ongoing bones throughout this piece that he's going to keep hitting you at as we cover some more of these stories. Yeah, and keep that in mind, please, 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 as we do the rest of this video and the dead, because it's going to be a lot about the people, people, people. As we've talked about before on Joyce's stories, his people are the most important part of his stories. So you can kind of start to view paralysis, particularly in this story, as a lack of resolution. Okay. There's even sentences that lack resolution. Like, there's so many ellipses used throughout this piece. Here's a quote. No, I wouldn't say that exactly. Dot, dot, dot. But there was something <laughs> queer. 
dot, 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 dot. <laughs> there was something uncanny about him. I'll tell you my opinion. Dot, dot, dot. And then that's it. <laughs> so yeah. there's this continual failure to to reach closure in in this piece, but in, in Dubliners as a whole. And you'll even notice like when they went to the wake and they're offered uh, the crackers and the sherry by Nanny, I believe it was. And the boy turns it down and she looks kind of like disgruntled at like why he turns it down right yeah so father flynn also has a lot of incomplete actions as well right so he fails with the uh, chalice he drops that so that's one thing uh he fails to complete confession so another failed there and he kind of even failed with the narrator where the narrator didn't really completely learn the clerical activities that Father Flynn was teaching him. feels like he failed kind of overall in his religious duties. And then at the end, when he's at, when we're at the wake with the narrator, the boy doesn't even complete praying for the priest. They said, I pretended to pray, but I could not gather my thoughts because the old woman's mutterings distracted me. So he couldn't even complete his praying for the death of his friend that he pretended not to care about even when he first heard about this. Yeah, if you're, if you're looking for closure, you're not going to get it in this story. Now, here's another interesting thing. We, we talk about James Joyce being one of the most, absolute most intentional writers of all time. Do you know what a cotter... Do you know why he chose the name Mr. Cotter for Mr. Cotter? No. Do you know what a cotter pin is? It's like a rolling pin? It's a fastener. And I'll put a picture oh. up on the screen that holds two pieces together so they don't move, a.k.a. it paralyzes them. Ah, okay. Right? And you'll notice <clears throat> that he's the character that came in and almost kind of like showed like disdain for the church. Like he kind of talked down about this little boy spending time with the priest. The boy should spend times with people his own age. Uh, and, and we know that James Joyce had a falling out with the church. Big falling out with the church, yes. Ireland at this time, and we're going to go more into this in our The Dead talk, but to bring it up real quick, Ireland in James Joyce's eyes, I should say the people of Ireland, he viewed as paralyzed at this point in time, right? They're still under British rule, right? They want something to change. They're, they're coming out of this horrible potato famine that happened years ago, and and the people want something new, but they're stuck where they are. And they're starting to look at this Celtic revival, a revival of the old Irish ways, the old nationalist views of Ireland, as opposed to, you know, this whole modernity that's going on with the rest of the world. And James Joyce viewed Ireland and the Irish people as falling behind and hurting themselves by not looking to the future and instead of looking to the past. They, he viewed them as paralyzing themselves as a real high level point. And we're going to get into it with another video, but... We needed to touch base on that for this one. We'll need that info. We're going to go into two interpretations here, right? I'm going to give you one, and mine's not going to hit you right away, but allow me to step through it with you and explain why it was important back in the early 1900s. And then Crypto will kind of give you one of his renditions as well. There's a lot of interpretations out there. Let's kind of walk through two possible options, okay? So one that we need to talk about is this whole idea of was there a disease going around big time in Europe uh, in this era? And the answer is yes. Not as big of a deal day because we've got a cure, but syphilis was impacting millions upon millions of people and Europeans at this point in time. Okay, so stay with me here. James Joyce, you. in 19, I think it was 03, 04, or 02, he was in and out of medical school. So he knows and is obviously smart enough to know the the um, the impacts, the 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 
the results of having syphilis, and particularly later stage syphilis after you've had it for, for decades even, can cause paralysis, can cause strokes, can cause speech impediment, can cause crooked spines or, or walking differently because it attacks the neural tissues, okay? So that's, that's kind of like the old medical side of things. And there's different types of, of syphilic uh, stuff. I'll, I'll let a doctor go through that. But just realize that there's a couple of those, those symptoms, right? And we see these symptoms in the book. So I see where you're going. So this was part of the reason why this was such an outrage when this book came out. Because it was all over the place. And people didn't want to talk about it, right? But not only that, calling that a, a church member, you know, a priest died who's, you know, allegedly supposed to be cel- celibate, right? Mm-hmm. Died from mm-hmm. having s- sex, obviously, to get syphilis, potentially. Maybe. Who knows? It's an interpretation. Was a huge outrage, right? Which is why people tried to cancel it. But here's, here's why I like this interpretation. If okay. we go back to Nanny not speaking, and when she was walking away, there's this quote, I noticed how clumsily her skirt was hooked at the back and how the heels of her cloth boots were trodden down all to one side, implying a walking impediment, a.k.a. the the neural impacts of syphilis attacking Nanny's body to the point where she can't talk and is even walking differently. And then we have some of the parts that were edited out from Eliza about her mispronouncing and being slow and hesitant of speech, the way she mispronounced the journal, that it was probably hitting a little bit close to home on perhaps the the syphilic um, interpretation of this story. Right. No, I, I like that interpretation. I think it's good. I think that it is important to point out that do we know that the only way to contract syphilis is through sexual intercourse? And if that's true, well, then I, I think it makes a lot of claim that uh, the reason that it, you feel like that the sisters are okay with the priest dying is that he broke his vows and maybe had sex with her, right? And that's how he got syphilis was from her. Well, it, it, I wouldn't say he got it from... It could be from the sisters. That's an interpretation. Yeah. Um, it, it can also be passed down through pregnancy, but obviously these people were much older. They would have had it for a long time if it were from pregnancy. But it was, it was, it was everywhere all over Ireland. And the sisters could have gotten it, not necessarily from him, but from other people, right? Like the point isn't where oh. they got it from. But I, I think I, I, I can see that interpretation. But um, but that could be at least a more cohesive view when the sisters also had this problem and he's seeing these sisters going through the final stages of, of syphilis attacking their bodies as well. And I think if people reading this back then, they're going to be thinking about this and going, wow, he's like putting this right out in everybody's face of this major problem, medical issue that's happening and they're probably not going to like that too much, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, and particularly a member of the church. Like, yeah. Like early, 19, I mean, this he wrote this in 1904, published in 1904. That's a big uh, statement to say against the church, which was a big entity, particularly in Ireland back in the day then too. So I know that's, when you first say, when you first say it, you may not be on board, but once you start to understand, I think some of the, the symptoms of it and, and the causal things and with how, deliberate James Joyce is, I can you can start to see this story makes a lot more sense, particularly with how it was a huge deal back in Europe, back in this time period. He's throwing it in people's faces too. I mean, as you said, they people start canceling their subscriptions and 
Yeah, yeah. All right, hit us with yours. All right, so mine is based on kind of his view of the church, and I think that he's inadvertently not attacking the church per se, and I think that's important to note, is that I don't think Joyce has a problem necessarily with the church. I mean, he we know that he broke with the church, but I think that he has a problem with the people of the church, and that is very, very significant, is that the story is about the priest and maybe his infidelities and his sins. And so Joyce is is writing in a way to point out his faults, Father Flynn's, not necessarily the church as a whole or the institution of Christianity. I, I, I think that uh, you have to make that distinction uh, before you kind of go further down my rabbit hole of this church uh, attack. Is that fair? No, I'm, I'm with you. And it, it's called Dubliners, not Dublin, right? So Joyce was very enamored by the awesome power of spirituality, and he was fascinated with how the Catholic Church used that and how the priests used that to potentially manipulate people in their congregations. The priests in most towns, villages, they were very, very powerful figures, and they had a lot of sway over everybody. They also had a lot of influence, and they were the ones that people went to uh, regarding all kinds of issues in their lives. And one of the most important things that they had was they are the bearers of this spiritual... uh, uh, They're responsible for your soul and your spiritual spirituality, right? And to most people back then, and still today for the most part, uh, you know, their soul and their spirituality and religion is their most important thing in their lives. And so these priests have a lot of power and sway over over people in the village. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what I think here is that Joyce is saying that he's blaming the people inside of the church uh, for the problems inside the church or the dark stain on the church's history, not necessarily the church itself. So one of the things to support this is that the narrator's mother asks, well, why wouldn't the church give final sacraments to a priest of all people? You would have to do done something really bad for the church to be denying final sacraments to a priest of all people. So that that's a huge red flag right there for me when I was reading through this story. So I feel like that the crazy priest in this really becomes the symbol of the church, that it has become senile and corrupt, and that the church has a darker past that it's going to have to answer for. And it shows the deterioration of the Catholic church or the people within the Catholic church. Uh, I think that's pretty scary to these people uh, that are reading this story isn't it the sister says the very last thing um the last line is eliza resumed wide awake and laughing like to himself so then of course when they saw that that made them think that there was something gone wrong with him dot 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 <laughs> dot 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 <laughs> incomplete incomplete there at the end yes <laughs> it's, it's kind of a frightening image there at the end uh that is given from one of the sisters there of what happened oh yeah and you can even see the sentiment of the town like from mr cotter he was kind of like that boy shouldn't be spending time with the church that boy shouldn't spend time with the priest with the priest being a symbol of 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 the Catholic Church and the boy being the next generation. Yeah, and, right? and they, they bring out a couple of points of that it was inappropriate and they never really explain. They only hint at it of why it'd be inappropriate for a young boy to be friends with a priest. When you think about it, it shouldn't be 
weird, you know, if he's his mentor or teacher or the boys maybe going into, uh, you know, become, you know, part of the cloth. It shouldn't be weird. So why would it be weird? Obviously, there's something undertone there of why it is awkward. Well, yeah. I mean, that night he had the truculent gray face come visit him. And I think they use some of those words later on at the wake, kind of implying that he was being haunted by the the image of his friend that had died. And he even, in the beginning, he was walking by his friend's house continually waiting for those candles, putting two candles, I believe, up, uh, is Naira's tradition for for that, uh, for, for his friend to die knowing that it was going to happen. That was, that was the opening line of this piece. So, so yeah, there's, he's definitely there. And they even said when he didn't care that he was pretending not to care, right? Yeah, yeah. and I, I think that this is him finally caring. His barriers are breaking down. Yeah. So if this is inconclusive enough, I feel like we did a I feel like we did a good high level breakdown of those two pieces. Welcome to James Joyce. This there's nothing in this piece that will 100% explain exactly what the father did, exactly what will happen with the church or what was going on with the boy. This is up to readers interpretations and to flex your literary muscles to kind of bring out these things. Uh, I had a good time with the sisters crypto. I don't know how you felt. I I really enjoyed this story. What is unique for me is that I normally don't like stories that are so inconclusive, stories that leave it so much open interpretation. I hate it when there's an open-ended movie or something and I have to mm-hmm. fill it in. I just I just want to be told, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But I really, really enjoyed this one. And I, I think it's a great start to the entire Dubliner's book. Um, if I were to give you know my subjective rating on this one, I would give it a solid eight. Yeah, I think this is one of those pieces that it's hard to rate too because of how much... The, the, the theme of how this brings up paralysis and then how that's continually uh, investigated throughout the rest of these pieces, it's monumentally important for the whole collection, right? But if you're looking at it just as a piece, I still find a lot of value and really, really interesting, particularly with how many different interpretations there are. There's a whole drinking. And then there's another one even that gets really out there in terms of the boy dying and it being kind of like a purgatory, circular yeah. thing. Uh, c- kind of interesting, too, with how this whole book goes from, you know, as Joyce talked about in the earlier, from childhood all the way up through maturity and then eventually into public life. A lot of interesting ways to break this piece down. I'm going to go with... I gotta give it less than Eveline. Like I want to give it a nine, but I think I gave Eveline a nine, so I think I have to give it an eight point five. But I want to give it a nine if that makes sense. <laughs> no, I understand. I think this story is very what we would consider in our world uh, meta. All right, guys, thank you so much for checking out this piece. If you enjoy literature discussions and breakdowns like this, please consider subscribing to check out some more of our videos and stay tuned because we will be coming out with The Dead, the most important story potentially from this collection, at least in terms of public sentiment. I think it resonates with most people. Una out. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Are you there? I, I sure am. <laughs> I dropped my phone. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> God dang it. Hey, sister, soul, sister. Better get your dough, sister. Burn. Soul, brother, soul, brother. Una's my soul, brother. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Codex Cantina. Where we haven't done our audio check, so our audio is going to be way <laughs> off.